Welcome to Sermons That Will Knock Your Socks Off by Bill Lytell, Senior Pastor of Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs, Florida. Appreciate you coming and vote with your feet for Bible preaching. This is a Bible preaching church. We believe the Word of God has been given uh, by the Holy Spirit and that uh, I think of how much has been, how costly this Bible is, how People would have given everything they had and everything they would possibly have just to have a copy of this Bible. And the privilege, a great privilege we have to have it every, almost everywhere, electronically, in print, everywhere. I hope you veil yourself to the Word of God and familiarize yourself with the Word of God. I'm the kind of guy that when I buy a tool, I take the instruction of, uh, thing out of the box and, and I just can't wait to read it. I, I, I feel there's some doubters out there. I, I, I take the instruction manual and I just can't wait. I save it for my evening reading. For my evening reading. I sit down and I, and I read because I think the people who made this object uh, wrote how to use it. And Nobody would know about how to use it more than the people who made the object. And so common sense tells me that it would be really smart to read about how, and I've learned such, I learned all kinds of neat little features and things about the tool and how to keep from cutting my fingers off and cutting my neighbor's fingers off that's helping me or whatever. But, uh, uh, I, so reading the Bible is like, this is God's instruction manual, and it tells you how to succeed and how to know him, whom to know is life everlasting, and how to have peace in this world of turmoil. It's in the book. And that's what, why we preach the book, because it's God's instruction to us. Take your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. If you have electronic Bible or your phone or anything, you, you turn there. I have one also. When I travel, I use my phone as my Bible. I like it. It works good. I often use my phone, uh, even at my house, uh, as my Bible or my computer as the Bible. It's just something the age we live in. I'm, I am the transition age group or generation. I'm the transition generation. I have a full library of books. Uh, from I collected since I've been 18 years old to today. But the new preacher, the new guy, like Chris Barrows, he'll never have a, a library like that because he will have an electronic library, a digital library, and he'll just have a few books. And so it's, a, it's probably a lot cheaper for sure because I have tens of thousands of dollars invested uh, through the years in those books. I'm hoping that my uh, wife, when I die, that she is smart enough to sell those uh, books and help her with her, her uh, support, and she could live in a style that she's used to. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It's an it's a eschatological that's it, chapter. It tells us in the last days, in the last times, what's going to happen. Uh, we should not be as Christians surprised by what we see going on in the world today. We shouldn't be surprised 
uh, at all. Years ago, in the 60s, I believe it was, Jack Chick, a guy by the name of Jack Chick, wrote a track called This Was Your Life. How many are familiar with This Was Your Life? This Was Your Life. If you, there's some out there. I've put them out on there. They're free. You can take them, read them, pass them out. They're good. Uh, my wife was instrumental. It was instrumental in my wife getting saved. Another track of his called The Beast also was instrumental in her coming to Christ as she was contemplating uh, the Savior, and I gave her those uh, to read. But he had pictured in there, uh, he had drawn, he was a cartoonist. And it was the first cartoon-type track ever published, I believe. I'm pretty sure of that. And, and we're the cartoon generation, right? We had, uh, you know, Spider-Man, Superman cartoons and stuff. And people in my generation had cartoons. And so we, that would make sense that you would uh, have a track like that. And so I used to pass out thousands and thousands of This Was Your Life to young people. And I'd watch them. I'd turn around and go back, and they'd be one page at a time reading that thing. And they had, uh, he had pictured in there people with uh, nose rings and, and uh, things through their skin and, and big ear rings and, and big, you know, circles in their ears. And, and, and he just pictured a cra- what I would have considered crazy-looking folks uh, in the cartoon. I thought, well, people will never be like that. I say Jack Chick was a prophet, but you're a prophet also, because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, it tells us what it's going to be like in the last time, in the last days. Um, yeah, but, but I'm not going to read that yet. I just wanted to give you a little print. You're ready to read, aren't you? I'm going to tell you a little story before that. My wife and I were leaving my house down about a mile and a quarter of dirt road, and we came where the dirt road connects, uh, abuts to Corkscrew Road. Corkscrew Road is a paved road, fairly busy road. People from Immokalee use Corkscrew to come in and out of where they live, and people from Lehigh Acres use it also to commute back and forth. And there's some building going on out there, and traffic is getting more and more. But I, I, I'm careful. You know, I came up to the corner, and I looked both ways. But uh, what caught me was there was a, a man just across from my, on the other side of the road, and he was walking... Uh, going east, uh, going towards Immokalee, and as he walked, he stumbled a little bit. He he was walking slowly. Uh, he had um, shoes on, but he had stepped on the backs of the shoes and made them like flip flops. You ever? Well, my, I'd get a whipping for that. Now, as a kid, when I did that, my parents would just tear me up for that. You've ruined your shoes. You've broken down the heel of your shoes. Well, I'm deja vu on some of you out here, right? And so. Uh, he had his uh, shoes, but they were broken down on the back, and they, and they were kind of made into flip. And they were they were just nasty looking shoes. Uh, his shirt and clothes, pants, kind of a t-shirt. Uh, they weren't. They used to be white. They were yellow, and I say yellow and and dark, uh, with dirt and sweat, and and had been evidently sweat. And you know how you dry and sweat and dry and sweat and dry. This older uh, his shirt, at least when I was looking at it, was half wet. Uh, probably from another round of sweat. It was hot. His clothes hung on his body. Uh, he had evidently lost weight. He was fairly lean. His hair, as I looked at him, was disheveled and uncut. He had this uh, a beard, uncut, nasty, uh, dirty-looking beard. His hair was the same. Looked like he hadn't, you know, t- that man hadn't taken a bath in, in weeks, literally. 
He, what amazed me was his age was probably in the mid-20s, uh, maybe early 30s. Another thing that struck me, he had no belongings at all, no belongings. He was walking east going towards Immokalee. He did not have a, a bottle of water with him. He had no water with him at all. He had nothing that he was carrying except the literally, and if I might say it this way, the clothes on his back. And they weren't any kind of clothes you'd want. But they were just the clothes on his back. And heading east on Corkscrew, I happen to know that there's nothing east on Corkscrew from my house for 18 miles. It's just orange groves and some little sides uh, or dirt road streets, a few a few homes. But truthfully, there's there's a there's a old they call it the uh, country store down the road there. But that's a, that's three miles down the road. And I'm um, and he's limping when he's walking. He's kind of limping like this. He's making his way down the road, and uh, the Holy Spirit whispered to me. And he said, this man is made in the same image of God as you are. He's made in my image. The Bible said God made man in his image after his likeness. This man had a mother and a father. Probably had a wife. May have had children. He seemed, from what I could tell, had a complete body, meaning he had arms and legs, and he could walk and see, and he evidently hear. He had a complete body, which not everybody has a complete body. You don't get born. So a lot of blind, 20 million blind people, I believe, in America. What in the world could have brought this man to this point in his life. Half in a stupor, filthy, sick, or sickly, hurt, hopeless, and, and to be honest with you, possibly even near death. Second Timothy chapter 3 tells us how people get in that kind of shape. Now let's go to the verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. This, also, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, of those that are good. Traitors, heady, 
high-minded. Our text is the next phrase. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, they're religious, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort they are that creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't know about you, but the first time that I read down through there, second, first, second, third time I read down through that list, it surprised me. The last days and the end times are not good times for this world in the Bible. They're not good times. They're the worst of times. So if you say, I'm living in the last days, you're saying biblically, I'm living in some of the worst times that ever been. The Sodom and Gomorrah type times. But you don't see the things mentioned in here, that I would have imagined mentioned, you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, you know. I don't see some of the major things that we see all the time with people that are destroying people, by the way, destroying them. I don't see it in the list, but it is actually in the list. Under the definition, in a large part, of this place in verse 4, where it says, they're lovers of pleasures, pleasures, plural, more than lovers of God. The question I pose to you this morning is, how much do you love pleasure? How much you love pleasure will measure your life in some degree. It'll measure your accomplishments, and it will measure your disasters. Discipline, which is almost a cuss word to many, is opposite of pleasure. You have pleasure here, discipline over here. Yet, almost everybody understands that in this world, nothing really of lasting value that the world would call good comes without discipline. That's a crazy thing. Right? But it's true. Name a sport that the people are good at that do not discipline themselves. Name one. You won't. If you're good at soccer, you've disciplined yourself. Tiger Woods, why did he win? One day I heard him say, because I'm up at 5 o'clock practicing while the rest of the guys are sleeping. Tiger Woods was not just naturally gifted as a golfer because he just went out there and won the green jacket. That old boy got up at 5 o'clock, and he wanted it, and he go, and he was disciplined, and he, he, he was tired like you are at 5 o'clock. He felt bad like you feel at 5 o'clock. He didn't roll over. He got up, shook himself, went out there and drove, drove balls, putted, whatever else, and, you know, you drive for show, but you putt for dough, right, Doc? I'm in the midst. We have in our midst a pro-level golfer. He knows what I'm talking about. You can't do it without discipline. Name a career that somebody excels in 
without discipline. Name a trade, carpentry, plumber, electrician, uh, auto mechanics, that somebody doesn't have to discipline themselves, and whether you like it or not, you got to read the manual. Because you got to figure out how to do it. Name something medical. Your doctor, do you want to go to a doctor that likes to play more than study? Do you? You probably have. But that's why I like going to Dr. Crabb. Uh, his pastime is studying. His pastime is reading, man. His, his pastime. And, and so I want to go to a doctor that puts his, puts his head down and makes, makes what he's doing the number one in his life. You know what I'm saying by that? I mean, God, of course, being number one. But, you know, the point being his occupation, his call, he's disciplined. He, he reads when he don't feel like reading. He, he works when he don't feel like working. He, he disciplines himself. It requires massive amounts of discipline to do anything in this world or accomplish anything in this world of value. Farmers require massive discipline to be a good farmer. Oh, my. You can't do anything or name something that doesn't require discipline. But remember, discipline's here, pleasure's over here. Pleasure pulls the opposite direction from discipline. It pulls people away from discipline. The more they give in to their desire to be have fun, I you know some things that young people say literally make me shake to the bone. I mean, I just get a chill. It goes all the way from top to bottom. They'll say, I just want to have fun. You better get over that. The Bible tells us that we are to exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. First Timothy four, same uh, not second Timothy, but first Timothy, same author. First Timothy four says, "Or refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness." I've preached on this a few times on that passage. For bodily exercise profiteth little, and everybody out of shape says. All the people that are in shape go, like me. Yeah. I, I have to be careful about flexing my muscle. I don't want to ruin this coat. The bodily exercise is probably little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of life that is now, that now is, and that which is to come. The Bible basically says if you'll discipline yourself in godliness, it's going to profit you in every direction. It's going to profit you now. You'll enjoy it now, and you'll enjoy it in eternity. The Greek word for exercise is gumnazo. What's that sound like to you, gumnazo? It's our word gym. Gym, gumnazo. Gym, and, and if I may say we're to go to God's gym, amen? When we go to God's gym... It represents suffering and discipline, doing that which is uncomfortable and unpleasant, but for the ultimate good, both spiritually, if I may say, and physically. When nobody goes to the gym, and most people go to the gym, they don't look real happy. I mean, really, they don't. 
You go to the gym. You don't go to the gym to have fun. Oh, we're going to go to the gym and have a lot of fun. We're going to go to the gym. But most people go to the gym. They have to go to the gym. They have to suffer. I remember when I started jogging, uh, and I say jogging because that's what it was. It was horrible. I have just never put myself through such horror as running. It's boring. Out of your mind boring. You can't think of anything while you're running, and it's just, you know, you just keep doing, and it's painful. Painful. When you start, that first six weeks you run, brother, you are going to suffer some side aches and some, you're just going to be, you're just going to be asking yourself a lot of questions like, why am I doing this? Because your flesh goes, I want pleasure. But the spirit goes, you're out of shape and going to die early and not finish what God's given you to do. You got to go run. That's the discipline. You got to, oh, you go to the doctor. The first thing they tell you, I mean, I don't care if you're dying again, lose weight. Now, they never tell me that. But lose weight is one of the major things they tell, tell their patients. Why? Because weight is connected to all kinds of other problems. But what does losing weight represent to you? Oh, I brought, I, and I can use Jill Franz as an example because I know him so well. Joe told me the other day, he says, uh, losing weight is painful, but putting it back on is fun. He told me the other day, he says, I'm done. I'm losing weight. I'm, 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 I got, he's got this invisible line in the sand, and after he gets over that, I'm going to lose weight now. And so, 1 Peter 3.14 says, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, Happy are ye. Be not afraid of their terror, nor they'll be troubled. In other words, the general instruction for the Bible believer is to discipline yourself rather than to love pleasure, which is the opposite thing. So, here we are. Pleasure, discipline. Where's God at? He says, favor discipline. Go that way. The flesh says, favor pleasure. Go this way. To the degree that you grasp that and that you are willing to discipline yourself or to the degree you give in to pleasure will be your accomplishment level for God and for yourself in this life. Proverbs 21, 17 says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Speaking of the woman that seeks pleasure, the Bible says, 1 Timothy 5, 6 says, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. I, I suppose you could call that a spiritual zombie. You know, there's movies today, and I've never watched one about zombies and about the walking dead, I think they call it. Personally, I don't get it. The dead don't walk. I've been around a lot of dead people. They don't walk. There is no walking dead. There are, are no zombies. There is no such thing. There's no superheroes. There's no Batman. There's no Spider-Man. There's no nothing of that. That's all fictitious nothingness. Oh, I'll probably have nobody here next week. He'll say, I say that, but I don't believe. He don't believe. I want to put my faith in something that's real. 
The woman that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. James 5, 5, speaking of rich folks, ungodly rich folks, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter, condemned strongly in the book. We need to check ourselves out. Do a little inventory. Uh, do you, and how much do you live for fun and pleasure? How much, uh, if, 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 and let me say this, is not pleasure the basis of all addiction? I mean, people don't shoot up heroin because they don't feel good. People don't snort cocaine because they don't feel good. People don't have immorality in every kind of direction because it don't feel good. People don't do any sin. They don't smoke cigars because they don't feel good. They don't smoke cigarettes because they don't feel good. They don't drink uh, alcohol because they don't feel good. Everything, if you go down through the addictions, pornography, any kind of addiction, it's all about pleasure, 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 pleasure. So what really are addictions? Addiction to pleasure. All addictions, you say there are physiological addictions. I get it. But in that physiological addiction, it's not so hard to overcome the physiological part of it as it is the pleasure part of it. I smoked cigarettes for about five years. I loved that habit. I got more pleasure out of smoking cigarettes. You can't. I just couldn't even believe it was that much. It was that good. And when I decided to quit, my body goes, eh, you know, I need that nicotine. I need that nicotine. So Indiana University at that time was doing an experimental program, and I got in it where they gave you these nicotine tablets, and it satisfied the body's desire for nicotine. So I would take the tablets. The body would go, okay, I don't need nicotine, but I still wanted to smoke. Because there was another part of me that says, I really like them cigarettes. I like to get them out of my pocket. I like to get them out of the package. I like to light them up. I like to blow the smoke. I like to blow circles. I like to play with them. I like to fiddle with them. And you smokers, you know exactly where I'm at right now. You non-smokers have no clue. God bless you. There's a lot more to smoking than the addiction that, oh, I got to get me a shot of nicotine. No, no. Smoking is about pleasure. It's about pleasure. We had a guy come by gospel. We have a lot of people come by gospel. One guy came by gospel for a number of years here until he moved away. His, I, I nicknamed him uh, Edom Needham. Edom Needham. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his real name because you don't need to know it, but his, his name to me was Edom Needham. Now, Edom Needham, uh, was a, was quite a character. Had a tremendous personality, real charisma. He, he, he had a lot of charisma. You kind of wanted to just like the guy. But Edom Needham was a mess. He was a mess. When I met him, he was probably in his 30s. And he was one of them guys that just would be successful at about anything he grabbed a hold of. He just had that kind of personality. He could sell ice cream to, to Eskimos. You know, I mean, he just had it. But Edom Needham was shot. When he came here, he was just, everything was gone, everything. Uh, Edom Needham came to me in my office one time, and I said, Edom, what is it about, it was cocaine addiction. What is it about cocaine? I've never done cocaine. 
But what is it about cocaine that you have allowed your teeth to rot out of your head? He's terrible. The teeth were all black, you know, were decayed, they're chipping off, and just just let his teeth rot out of his rot out of his head. Uh, he said, I was I was happily married. Uh, I had a beautiful wife. We got along good. But I did cocaine to the place where she left me, and I don't blame her. She, he said, I love cocaine more than my teeth. He said, if I got enough money to fix my teeth, I would send there and go, teeth, three days of cocaine. Teeth, three days of cocaine. And he said that the pleasure I was going to have in three days outweighed all of the fixing the teeth, which is not pleasure, by the way. Eh, ain't pleasure. Open your mouth. This won't hurt long. You get your teeth fixed, hurts you. And he said, "Bill, I had the money to fix my teeth. I go down by three days and do a three-day binge of cocaine. I loved cocaine more than my teeth. I loved cocaine more than my wife." He says, "I love cocaine more than my child. I love cocaine more than my." Hey, he said, "I had a nice house." I was making six figures. Now, he was making six figures back in the day. Uh, this would have been in the 70s. Making six figures in the 70s, something else. He said, I love I loved cocaine more than I love that six-figure job because I lost a job because of that. He said, I love cocaine more than I love people's respect and dignity of my own self. He said, I love cocaine more than I love life itself. He said, Bill, I'm gonna, I'm, you're going you're gonna to hear that I got killed one of these nights, one of these days. Because when you go and buy cocaine, he says, you go to the worst part of the neighborhood. And he said, a lot of times these people that are selling cocaine are mean people and they're vicious. He said, they take a gun, they put it to my forehead, cock it, and tell me they're going to blow my head off. And they don't, then they laugh. That I didn't, you know, or they won't, or they will have no ammo in it to put it up to my head and to pull the trigger, click. <laughs> they think that's a big joke. All I want is the cocaine. I got the money. They got a gun. They could take my money and not give me my cocaine if I wanted. But most of the time, they want you to come back. So they, 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 they're vicious. He went into an explanation about 20 minutes of how vicious these people were. He said, Bill, one of these days, they're going to kill me. Take my money. Kill me. I'm not going to come back. He said, truthfully, I love cocaine more than I love life. These three-day binges, he says, my heart races out of control. Probably going to have a heart attack if I don't get shot. Eat him, need him. Describe to me the giving up of anything that would be considered of value in this life. So I said, Eat him. Is it that addictive? Oh, I said, Cocaine's not addictive. He said, I can go six months without cocaine. I don't have any physical. Uh, uh, any physical effects? He says, it's here. It's here. He said, it, I did cocaine one time, and I was desperately addicted, but not physically. He said, because I never felt pleasure. He said, I said, well, how good a pleasure are we talking? He says, it's, I'm going to try to tell you this, preacher. I know you're going to have trouble digesting it, but I'm going to give it to you. He says, 
It's a hundred times better than any natural pleasure. I go, whoa. Because I know how pleasure even pulls on me. I know how it pulls on me. And I thought, if you can artificially times that by 100. He said, Bill, six months, I get a job, I get working, I start saving a little money, I, I rent my own house, I, I get a vehicle, and at six months, I'm doing good. And then all of a sudden, he says, my mind is, that starts working, man. It would really be nice to have a three-day cocaine, you know, binge for three days. And he says, it just keeps rolling over in my mind. Rolling over. What's happening? Pleasure. What was Edom Edom? He was a lover of pleasure. More than lover of God or anyone else, including himself. I believe there's varying degrees of this horror, this thing called addiction to pleasure. By the way, if I may regress for a second, God does not condemn all pleasure. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, he gives us pleasure in this life. You know that. The pleasure of marriage. The pleasure of accomplishments. Man, the people, I used to lay, this, I used to lay carpet like this. You come in a place and you tear up the old carpet, you put the new carpet down, you look around when you leave, man, there's a satisfaction to doing work with your hands that cannot be explained. Pleasure. There's a pleasure in discipline. Absolutely. When I would run those three miles, and I used to run the three miles thinking I was going to die and went to the end of it. Finally, eventually, after about a year, I could run in that last 200 yards. I could kick it wide open as fast as my body could run. I could kick that thing and not even be breathing hard and get to the end of that thing. Say, man, I feel good. I know you think I'm lying. But what a preacher lie. They do, but I'm not lying. I used to... I guess they get that, and they call it endorphin release. And boy, I don't know about them endorphin release. I never got a lot of it, I'll tell you that. I, there's pleasure. God gives us pleasure in exercise. I know, I know that sounds crazy. Pleasure in obedience. Pleasure in, in, in trust. Pleasure of trust. I've been trustworthy with my wife. I've been faithful to my wife. We're going to have our 49th anniversary coming up if we live so long. And it's been, I can tell you, being married to the same person and being faithful to the same person, her being faithful to you is such a rewarding, such a pleasurable thing. All you people who have been married for a while better say amen or you're going to have a, you're going to have a cold, quiet lunch. God gives pleasure in pleasing him. You please God, you get all kinds of pleasure by that. You pick up, when you, when you used to be number one. <laughs> it's pleasure, it's pleasure if you're not number one. Man, let me tell you something. What keeps these boys going in and out is God gives them pleasure for bringing a six in and 17 in and a 25 in and a 15 in and a 16. There's a certain amount of grat gratification that God gives you for doing his will. Well, let me read it to you. 
Psalm 16 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 36 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men to put their trust in the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. If pleasure comes in the service of the king, it will not damage you. It will not damage you. But if it comes like the world offers, it will, in some degree, and there are various degrees of this, it will pull away and hurt you. I think of the parable of the sower. Most of you remember the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow four different kinds of soil. In Luke chapter 8, verse 14, it says, And they that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked. How are they choked? With the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. How much do you love pleasure? of this world especially, will determine eventually your outcome for God. The Bible says in the last times, perilous, last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means hard, difficult times will come. Men shall be lovers of them or own selves. It says they'll love pleasure more than they love God. Evaluate yourself. Evaluate yourself. I've had people say to me, well, we should have services on Saturday night. That way we can go play all this Sunday. Think of what they're, think of what they're doing. They're relegating God's day to a little sub-event sub and relegating pleasure to the main event. Sunday is fun day. Let me just say this. We serve a great king. We, don't, we serve a great king. We serve the king of all that is. I dress up because if a dignitary came in or invited me, somebody real important invited me, I'd dress up for it. Why? Because it's important. And because the people would be important or the event would be important. I think God's day is an important day. Oh, the wonderful day in my life was when I gave uh, uh, this day, Sunday, to him, and in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I said, whatever happens on Sunday, I'm in. Sunday is not fun day for me. Sunday is God's day. Now, Monday is God's day too, right? I mean, every day is God's day. I'm with you on that. But I'm not going to let pleasure and a seeking of pleasure dictate my activities and pull me away from the things of God. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And God has a way of rewarding those who diligently seek Him. Let me tell you, I got stories and you don't want to hear them yet. Later you will. Maybe. But I tell you, God rewards those who diligently seek Him. You exercise yourself rather unto godliness. And God will make sure that all these things shall be added unto you. And you'll not miss out, and you'll not, oh, poor me, I, 
I didn't get to do, I didn't get to play like the world gets to play, and I didn't get to camp on the weekends, and I didn't get to go here and do that. Don't you worry about a thing about that. Because what you do, God will make so rich, and so quality, and so wholesome, and so wildly good, that it won't, it, it ain't even comparable to what they're doing. Don't envy the unrighteous. Don't do it. Don't do it. Trust God. Discipline yourself for Him. And there's great reward. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for your kindness to us. As we meditated a few minutes on this subject, we pray that you'd enlighten us. The Holy Spirit would literally enlighten us and give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge of what's eternal, what's real. Father, if there be any in our midst this morning that knows not what it means to be saved and have their sins washed in the blood of Christ, forgiven as white as snow, the Bible said. May they, may they inquire of us and may we be able to show them the gospel. Father, we pray that your hand of mercy be upon people here, people listening by wherever this goes, as well as the people here. Evaluate yourself. Prove yourself. How much is pleasure steering my life, decision-making? Father, help us. Save us. Save us from what Edom Needham got in so hard and so deeply. I know what price it costs. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing a couple verses, just as I am without one plea. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.